Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I think I feel like it's another ass comment, but Jason Jason just called you on your bluff and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. Every time we hop on the mic after a couple weeks off, I wonder if I will be skilled enough to do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we best be skilled because this is an important show, girl. It is an important show and it's so important and so hilarious in our own minds. That we were laughing <laughs> even before we pressed record on the <laughs> <laughs> podcast devices. So you're in for a real treat. Um, a lot has happened even in the last three weeks. Like we have a new variant that has emerged. I listen to people talk about it on TV. Mm-hmm. How do you pronounce it? Because I feel like people are struggling. Omicron? I mean, that's how it should be pronounced, but people say like Omicron, Omicron. <laughs> I mean, anyway, it's all the rage. Sounds like a transformer. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Omicron forces activate. <laughs> anyway, we'll see what happens with the tennis tour in 2022 as a result of this but we know how it's impacting our lives here and the shit that's about to shake down but we are not here to talk about that we're here to talk about 2021 which is about to be in the books i have no words (laughs) i mean to have no words for an episode like this is probably not, not good timing. <laughs> it's not. A, that's not a good start to the show. <laughs> not a good start. I say that every episode, but in preparation for this year end in review, there are so many stories to cover that it's hard to know where to start, girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we actually made a plan, organized ourselves, hopped on the phone last night and discussed how we were going to shake this down. So we decided to come up with some categories, which is why we've decided to call this episode The Category Is. Yeah, it's like a bowl. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like we're walking in a bowl. Yeah, we're pulling that category out of the bowl and we're opening up that little (laughs) piece of paper. Is that what you meant? (laughs) No. (laughs) A drag ball. Oh, okay. Not a bowl, a ball. I was just pronouncing it with my faux New York accent, like a bowl. Right. Like you're walking in a category in a bowl, like um, Butch Queen or um, Body. Right. Or um, 2020, <laughs> 20, 2021 Encore Extravaganza. Okay, bitch. There you go. She's, <laughs> she's, she's back. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I watch UK's Drag Race. <laughs> It's the best one, to be honest. <gasps> Anywho, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. do you? Okay, you're. I not... do. Okay, we're not here to talk <laughs> about that. That's not what this show is about. This show is about. Well, f- first category is. <laughs> Where'd she come from? 
Where'd she come from? Tell all our listeners what this category is about. So where she come from, uh, she being the pronoun of choice, um, but it can be male player or female <laughs> player. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who doth make the biggest splash in or or non-binary? Or, yes. <laughs> who doth make the biggest splash in on the tour in 2021? Yeah. Are you going to throw it to me first? Yeah, I'm interested to hear your pick. Uh, we tried, um, actually, we, we didn't try. We just did not look at each other's answers. <laughs> <laughs> so that this could be a bit off the cuff and fun. <laughs> okay. So my Where'd She Come From award winner is going to be a drum roll, please. <laughs> the player that shall not remain. Oh, the player that shall remain nameless. I'm going to continue calling this player the player that shall remain nameless because she is going to be my pick to be the hot player for 2022. This Estonian player, all of our listeners know who she is, caught fire at the end of 2021. Um starting in Chicago, which is kind of like the end of the summer season, but then racked three tour victories kind of in a row. Like she won Ostrava, then she won Moscow, and then she won Transylvania. And she had the farthest shot of anyone for qualifying for the year in championships in Guadalajara. And she pushed good old buddy Anjabur, who also had a phenomenal year, out the way. That Twitter exchange is epic. Anjabur said, you can borrow my dress because I'm not going to be needing it anymore for the gala. <laughs> she gave her a hip check. <laughs> she gave her a hip check. She was like, see a bitch. <laughs> and um, she almost made it a fifth tour victory, but came a little bit short against Garbinia Mugurusa. So my player of the year, uh, not my player of the year, my, my where'd she come from award goes to this Estonian player because no one knew this including myself no one knew that this player was going to make such a big splash right yes and i think this is so hilarious and perfect <laughs> because a <laughs> she was the player that shall not be named we tried not to talk about her prior to the finals i inquired about whether she would be mm-hmm. tired or not she ended up being tired and then she was taken out by the girl who you chose to name regularly throughout our podcast year and she came up and you know hip check the player that shall not be named yeah i mean if there's any if there's anyone out there that believes in just the intricacies of universal law you have to believe that me naming Garbinia as my favorite for every major tournament this entire year and then not naming her this last tournament that she ends up winning. <laughs> Just it's so funny to me. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty hilarious. Actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, she ended up having a phenomenal year. She will show up later um, in my in one of my picks for one of our later categories. Ah, uh, so okay. I'm not going to say anymore, uh, <laughs> so as to not give it away. Um, but my "Where she come from?" moment <laughs> would be uh, our new 
U.S. Open champion Emma Raducanu. Of course. Where did she come from? So obviously <laughs> we caught she caught our attention at Wimbledon, where she mm-hmm. I think also was a qualifier. Uh, made it to the fourth round. Uh, that was the f- actually the first match that I caught her playing because uh, I was like, who is this girl? Everyone's talking about her. Didn't really know what was going on there. Um, her, her strokes were amazing. So I was like, okay, she's one to watch. This is going to be a really good match. Tomjanovic was playing really well uh, in that match. But unfortunately, she had to um, withdraw. Um, for medical reasons because she was um, struggling to breathe but like any good champion once she caught her breath (laughs) she doth enter the qualifying at the US Open went through those three rounds and then went through seven rounds of opponents straight sets didn't lose more than five games to become the first qualifier ever to win a Grand Slam yes Yes. Yes. Pretty amazing. It remains, I think, to be seen whether she'll be able to maintain that consistency or build on it because she struggled sort of uh, after that, evidenced in Miami and then I think one or two other events where she um, exited early. But Mm -hmm. um, Indian Wells. Yeah, right. Um, But it's exciting to watch her and another player that I'm sure one of us will talk about later. Yeah, you know, what I wanted to add to your nominee, Emma Raducanu, is when we posted about her on our IG, again, she came out of nowhere. She came out of left field. I mean, she had been known on the juniors for a while, but you really don't get your full exposure until you make it big on the WTA tour, on the main big girls tour. The post that we did of her making the, was it the fourth round of Wimbledon where she lost to Tomjanovic? If you take a look at our um, engagement in terms of who liked our posts, the Emma Raducanu post from Wimbledon is one of our top posts. And she just has a star appeal. I think, honestly, very similar to Naomi Osaka. Part of it has to do with her physicality and the way that she looks. But undeniably, there's just something about her that's very... She's an X factor. And so immediately, there's a lot of pressure put on her to perform well and to do well. So like it will be very captivating to watch her progression and how she handles being thrust into the upper echelons of women's tennis in 2022. Mm -hmm. Because people from the jump were like, I'm about this Emirati Kanu and we want her to really do well. Yeah. And it was nice to see, you know, after the withdrawal from Wimbledon, the pressure there of the moment and being on home soil, uh, going out in the fourth round to come back, um, perhaps with maybe some expectations, but perhaps not so much after the way she went out to suddenly burst on and and be winning matches and matches. And admittedly, uh, you and I, I think, were paying attention to other players at the U.S. Open, so we maybe mm-hmm. didn't pay as much attention <laughs> to her. Yes, absolutely. But uh, to uh, others, were certainly paying attention to her, and I think now um, more and more eyes are on her and will be on her next year for sure. For sure. Can I just throw out a couple of honorable mentions on the men's side? Ooh, I like that you're doing this because I have one as well. 
Okay, so I I hope I don't step on your toes and I name one of your honorable mention. I want to give a shout out to Brandon Nakashima. He's an American player that had an incredible summer season. He made back to pack, pack to pack, <laughs> back to back. ATP Tour Finals in Los Cabos and Atlanta and won two challenger titles. And Brandon Nakashima is a name that's floating around. He last lost in the semifinals of the next-gen tournament to Sebi Korda, who is another honorable mention. But you and I have been ragging on American men's tennis the entire year. They got their fucking shit together. So Brandon Nakashima is among this group of American men that are like, oh, oh, oh yeah, Jason and Alduin, you think that American men's tennis is suffering? Well, bitch, <laughs> let me just show you. So, oh, and okay, you tell you say yours because yeah. I don't want to step on your toes. Go well, on. I think a lot of people would if if they agreed with your assessment of Brandon, which they probably do, they would maybe have asked that they put him on. The U.S. Davis Cup team because they sucked sucked it hard <laughs> in the Davis Cup. Do they put Jack Sock? They put I, Jack, Jack Sock in there, right? Got injured. John Isner oh. like lost a match like one and two. It was pretty sad. Replace these Trump fools with like <laughs> honestly with some other people that are just fresh and like left wing. I'm <laughs> I'm over it. Yeah, give us um, your boy who's dating Venus. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Uh, jury's out on his uh, po- on his political leanings. Oh, really? But oh, okay. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, not that should not that that should matter. But yeah. no, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> and and another guy who maybe will come up later who won in Stockholm. My honorable mention <laughs> <laughs> is has to be someone who had our eyes on him and his legs throughout the year. <laughs> oh yes, Karatskevs. Oh my god! I mean, come on. Come he on. He was a qualifier <laughs> in Australia. Medvedev, I believe, during the ATP Cup, said he's our secret weapon, so watch out. And lo and behold, went into the Aussie Open, <laughs> proving that. Was down two sets to love against FAA, who never saw a match that he couldn't blow. Blew, <laughs> blew a two sets to love lead. Uh, to win in five. Then he took out an, an injured Gregor Dimitrov, who also maybe deserves an honorable mention for the sort of the latter half of his season. Mm-hmm. And uh, makes his first slam semifinal, works his way through the year, I think had a, you know, maybe less than solid uh, second half of the year, but was a silver medalist at the Olympics and doubles, won in Dubai a couple, uh, a month or a month and a half after Australia. Um, had another match that I'm going to talk about later <laughs> that I'm trying not to, te- I'm trying not to tease these things or ruin these things, but um, I just love his style. I obviously love looking at his legs, um, his explosiveness um, on the court, uh, there was a match he had. I forget who he played at uh, Indian Wells in October. I was like, "Oh my god, this guy's unbelievable!" And mm-hmm. um, just somebody he he came out of nowhere. He's like twenty eight years old, um, working for years and years, and then suddenly finds himself and played. I think a bunch of challenger events during COVID to get his ranking up, and now we'll. 
be seeing more of him hopefully in the years to come so very excited for him and uh, i mean a lot of the russian players are russia is just dominating these days yeah i i mean uh, everything that you just said about karatsev he kind of fell out of my memory because his his first part of the 2021 season was so fire and kind of fell off until he played that tournament in Uzbekistan, I want to say, at the end of the year. Um, but clap, clap to him. Agreed. He is a solid nominee for this category. We have gone through one category, speaking of categories, and we <laughs> I have like 10, and we were already on, <laughs> if anyone's counting, we're on like minute 15 or 16, so. <laughs> gotta gotta yeah. keep it moving. <laughs> we welcome you to our show for the next three solid hours. <laughs> um, okay. The next category is the opposite of the last category. Where's she at? Where'd she go? Where'd she go? Where'd she go? Where she, or as they would say in Newfoundland, where's she too? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Where's she too? Where's she too? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to throw it to you, girl, because I want to give you the chance to say where's she at? Who's okay. that player that you were like, where'd she go? Yeah, so um, this is uh, a bit interesting. People might be surprised by my choice, but uh, I chose another Russian player. Ah. Ooh. Ranked number five, I think, oh. in the world, Andre Rublev. <laughs> I think I chose him coming off of such an amazing season in 2020 where he was the master, not of 1,000 events, but 500 <laughs> level titles, winning five, to only, um, to not sort of build on that potential and only win one event and sort of have lukewarm results throughout the season after making the final in Monte Carlo losing to your ex-boyfriend <laughs> I just felt like he's sort of fallen off a little bit and you know Pass could be in that category as well I think for the latter half of um, 2021 after he won uh, Monte Carlo and some of the other results that he had after well i'm sure we're going to talk about some of his other results too um but yeah that was sort of um a little disappointing uh to me i was excited to see him uh play in toronto i got to see one of his matches because i feel like he's one of the hardest hitters so it was nice to see him and he won one match but i think he lost in the next round in in toronto so yeah a little uh disappointing for our gq russian model yeah, I am going to ask you, like, what do you think it was? Was there any par anything particular about his game, mental state, personal life that you felt like was throwing him off and not allowing him to produce the same results that he did in 2020? I mean, I don't know very much about Rublev <clears throat> other than the fact that he is smashing Pavlyuchenko on the side. Um, Maybe I mean, that's okay. the problem. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, that was the love team that I that you and I wanted to happen, but apparently both of them have, you know, um, significant others. He's the GQ Man of the Year in Russia, so th there seems to be a lot of kind of um, publicity around him. Do you think that's distracting him? No, I mean, I don't know. I think <laughs> I, I think maybe he had some unlucky draws early mm -hmm. in some of the events. Like I think. There was a couple times where he played center, and center was sort of on his way up, but he would be a player that he would have played earlier at that time, and center was already 
establishing himself and really good. Um, he did have, uh, you know, he had lost, I think, six or seven times in a row to Medvedev, and he had that nice, <laughs> he had the nice win in Cincy um, yeah. that allowed him to make the final. But yeah, I think he just wasn't able to um, follow through on the results. He struggled a bit more on clay, which, I, but but I do think he the five hundred tournament he won was on clay this year. So anyway, I think. There's more um, to come for him, for sure. I th- he had a good showing um, at the uh, ATP Finals. He had a couple of good matches there, although he lost to Casper, which um, bounced him out of the semifinal chance. But, mm. yeah. Okay, well, here's hoping that Ruby Red can make a resurrection in 2022. Oh, look at that alliteration. <laughs> it's my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my candidate for the Where She At Award. Where's she at? Is where's she at? Where's she go? <laughs> where's she go? Where's she to? <laughs> is none other than the greatest of all time, Serena Williams. Listen, you and I had so much anticipation about Serena Williams at the Australian Open. You and I and the rest of the tennis world and community. We're waiting for Serena Williams to capture that elusive 24th Grand Slam title, tying her with the um, homophobic and undeserving Australian Open champion, Margaret Court, who needs to just be canceled completely. Like, change that <laughs> change that court name. I'm over her. We're done with her. But Court That's... is in the name. Sorry? Court is in the name. I mean, I know <laughs> that you're, like, a fan of, like, <laughs> you know, like, catchy and witty, you know, um... Uh, English devices or like <laughs> linguistic devices, but she needs to go. I'm done with her. I got you. Anywho, um, she, Serena started off strong with a semifinal appearance at the Australian Open in her Flojo inspired catsuit, multicolored, serving all the children, all the fashion that they ever wanted. <laughs> you and I were just like prepping for that. Um, semifinal encounter with Naomi Osaka and we're like what is going to happen does I I remember you and I were talking about how Serena looked more agile more fit more focused and if there's anything that we can say about Serena Williams is that she knows how to rise to the occasion especially in a Grand Slam situation how many times have we um, written her off for her to come back and make the upset and score that Grand Slam championship. Sweetie, that was not to happen this year. Naomi was just too strong. And to be honest with you, since that Australian Open semifinal, Serena has really done nothing. She's been plagued with injuries. She injured herself in that first round match at at Wimbledon against Sasnovich. She tried to make a comeback, I think, later in the year, but was forced to pull out of the US Open with a leg injury. She has recently... um, shared with the tennis world that she's not going to be making it to the Australian Open because she's... I I find this so hilarious. I I don't know whether you've noticed the trend, but those people that have not played tennis always use the same phrasing. They say in their uh, public announcements, quote, I've consulted with my team. (laughs) Like, bitch, what did you have to consult about? You are not playing tennis. You're injured. You had... uh, a phenomenal movie premiere for King Richard. Just be honest and be like, can't make it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, 
I can't make it. So I can't make it. So she is my candidate for this category. Where is she at? I think there's huge question marks now surrounding Serena Williams. It makes the drama around women's tennis so intriguing because she's now this X factor of what is she going to do in 2022? Is she going to play? Is she not going to play? Is she going to try to vie for the 24th? And our friend Jonathan Scott has, um, you know, has said she doesn't need a 24th to cement herself as the GOAT. But let's be honest, wouldn't it be nice for her to earn that 24th Grand Slam title and equalize that other Margaret Court situation? So she's my nominee. You and know she I hope... wants it. Does she though? I, Does she though? I mean, maybe she's over it. Maybe she's like, I've made four finals. I lost four finals. I made a couple additional semifinals. I, I'm I'm, ti- I'm tired. I'll be honest with you. That's the vibe that I'm getting from her. That's the narrative that is repeating in my mind. That's like, you know, the Serena of old that was like really competitive is now giving way to the Serena of like, you know what? Maybe my destiny is just to, just to achieve twenty three, and I'm gonna, you know, log into my bank account and just see all of the checks rolling in. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice. Very good choice. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting season for her. I think there was so much upside um, to what we were seeing in Australia <laughs> in terms of her play, and. Mm-hmm. Um, Unfortunately, she ran into the Osaka train. Yeah. And then, yeah, she sort of puttered through um, the clay. Uh, Did she end up withdrawing from the French Open? I think she did. Yeah. Uh, And then, yeah, yeah, had the freak moment um, in the like first few games on the grass. And that's her best chance, obviously. Absolutely. Um, Her winning a slam. So... You know, if she's not playing in Australia, um, she, you know, God forbid, she's only won three French Opens. <laughs> um, she could make a comeback there, but her best chance, you know, similar to Roger, if he was ever to come back, would be Wimbledon. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, the story is not over, but we're all curious to know how it's going to be written. Are you curious to know how it's going to be written, 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 <laughs> written, written for my honorable mention of where she at? Milo Shraunich. <laughs> I am. I am fascinated in the prep for this episode. I saw that he lost to Brandon Nakashima, my honorable mention for. Oh, is he playing again? Well, no, it was this past summer. Oh, okay. And I had completely forgotten that he was active at all during the summer. Like, what happened to her? Yeah, I felt like he was the player who was on the player list for most draws, showed up to catch, get that 50% (laughs) first rounder check and and was like, deuces. (laughs) Yeah. Milos, we love you. You were sort of the the spark that started the Canadian fire Mm. uh, in in our tennis in tennis in our country and we <laughs> we need a few more uh, moments lest we forget that Milos um in the summer of 2020 made the final 
in Cincy held in mm. New York and was up a set against Joko before he blew it and blew his chance at his first one Masters 1000 event. He has not won one. You know, he falls into this category with Serena and Roger where the longer that it takes for them to kind of regroup themselves, the more difficult it's going to become for them to make a comeback. So I am in the... I'm transitioning to an appreciation of Milo Saranish's career. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I want one for him. I want him to get one uh, Masters 1000 title. Okay. I think that's not um, an unreasonable ask. Yeah. 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 That's all I ask for. <laughs> Where's she at? Where's she at? Okay. The next category is? Uh, WTF moment? WTF moment. Oh my god, okay, this category is obviously self-explanatory, WTF, like, this is the moment in the 2021 tennis season where we're like, what is going on right now? Why is there so much drama? What is this craziness? What is happening? There's just so many different voices. Let's get into it. Am I going to start my WTF moment? You go. Okay, my WTF moment invoice my invo- invoice <laughs> involves it's the Kim talking the Kim Crawford uh, <laughs> everyone. Kimmy. You call her Kimmy. Kimmy, <laughs> you know my my reliable white friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, my WTF moment involves my ex boyfriend. Steph, uh, Steph, I think I know where you're going. Okay. <laughs> Stefano Cici pass. Um, let me just give a very short precursor to the story, Steph in the beginning part of 2021 was on fire just stepping up to the occasion and um climbing mount zeus do you get that reference because he's from greece no is it mount zeus no zeus is anyway whatever you guys know that mountain (laughs) olympus mount olympus and um, i want to climb mount zeus (laughs) and uh, had a phenomenal 2021 beginning of the season Arrives at the Western Southern against his buddy and good old pals, Verev, loses the first set, takes his purse, his phone, his purse, <laughs> his, his man bag, his man bag, sure, to the washroom. And as he's done in many tournaments before, takes his sweet ass time and Zverev has the balls to go to the Empire and be like, bro, what the F? He does this at every tournament. What is going on here? You see his dad on his phone. (laughs) (laughs) And from this point forward, it can be christened as Toilet Gate. And I will say that this is the WTF moment because I believe that this is the moment that completely turned CC Pass's season around. Consistent results in the beginning of the year turn into kind of dreary results. A lack of... um, Lack of presence on the court. You know, he qualified for the year in championships in Turin, but I completely forgot that my ex-boyfriend was there because no one was talking about him. So I do believe that mentally it played, um, you know, it played on his game and his mental state. And toilet game, toilet game, (laughs) toilet gate flushed him down. 
Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> like a big turd. <laughs> the big turd. And uh, Andy Murray <clears throat> certainly thought he was a big turd. <laughs> I know he chimed in, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He, he like wanted to wrap up that turd and you know made a, a Jeff Bezos reference. Sent that, <laughs> sent that turd into outer space. <laughs> right. So you know, needless to say, CC Pass is taking a well-deserved mental break. I have not seen. I'm not sure whether you've been um, noticing on the IG, but he's been very quiet on social media. I think he's taking a a much needed break from all of his like playboying and like, you know, thirst shots. We didn't see his keister on the, you know, on the gram, like we did at the Australian open while he was in quarantine. I think he's taking some time to write those philosophical, um, poems that I ended up dumping him for. (laughs) Good for him though. Yeah. No, like philosophical sign holding, (laughs) <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's so interesting about this, besides the fact that you broke up with him, is <laughs> that we witnessed this in uh, Toronto. Like, bitch. we were watching him on the court. The first set ended. I can't remember if he won or he lost it. Took his bag off the court. We were like, <laughs> not, not, we, we didn't question that he left, but. As it got to like 10 minutes, we're like, where, where did he go? Mm. I mean, listen, sometimes you have a snake that needs a long time to get into the toilet, but (laughs) (laughs) so, so crass. I'm sorry, but we all know what she's doing. Yeah. He still denies that. He denies it (laughs) and that he's not, um, Breaking any rules, but it sounds like the ATP is going to look at that and establish a rule. And maybe the rule is that you just put a portage on right on the court. Ew, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I, it's a great sponsorship opportunity. I mean, who's going to clamor for that? For, for, for those bucks. I'm sure there's a company out there called Shits and Giggles that would, <laughs> that would take that. <laughs> Um, uh. that's good. Uh, my WTF moment um, involves another Canadian. Oh, oh! Mm. Uh, I was getting text messages, or I think we were getting messages <laughs> on IG. We were um, because people know that I like this player and I root for this player, um, <clears throat> even though he's another player who takes a long time in between points. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who was having a bit of. Um, Let's just say a crisis moment <laughs> on court uh, in his first round match in Miami Ugh. against one uh, Mackenzie McDonald, another Ugh. player who should maybe get a bit of an honorable mention for his uh, finals appearance in Washington. Hmm. Uh, Vashik. <laughs> oh my God. That nobody, I, I, so I had to watch it again just to like experience it one more time. The, that sort of four minutes of madness that happened towards the tail end of the first set of that match where he was randomly just smashing balls, uh, <laughs> hitting underhand serves, smashed his racket, um, uh, shouting expletives, which led to like the final, uh, he was down, I think, 1540 and 
was um, called for a second violation. So lost the point and lost the set and then sat down and really uh, let the TV cameras know how he was feeling uh, with expletives. So the umpire had to remind him that TV is recording this and maybe you should take it up with the ATP executives, which we found out obviously through that, um, through that little scene. Uh, that he was mad at for a meeting that was held the day before where he apparently was berated by the ATP mm. executives for an hour and a half trying to bring the players and together. Yeah, a classic case of projection. You know, a, an event that happens to you previously that, you know, is frustrating and, um, you know, just gets you so upset. He just took it with him onto that court and just projected all the way through millions of TV screens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the, you know, tennis TV members and anybody <laughs> who was watching on networks around the world. Uh, as he was in his chair talking to the umpire, the umpire trying to talk him down off the cliff. Uh, he said, if you want to default me, I'll gladly sue this whole organization. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Bold. Very like Housewives of Miami. Yeah. Housewives of Florida because he lives near our boy. Uh, Christian. Christian. Yeah. Oh, hi, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I like when they see our stories, him and his girlfriend. Yeah, nice. he was swimming. He was swimming, swimming with the dolphins. Yeah, it's cute. So that's my what the f moment. It's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, this kind of is a nice segue into our next category. Oh, Canada, eh? We could not highlight. Um, we sorry, we could not pass up the opportunity to highlight a Canadian moment because obviously, we being a Canadian gay tennis podcast, there are so many. Um, I was gonna say. Gay, gay Canadian, Canadian tennis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are there? No. Vashek? No. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> no. um, yeah, so we wanted to highlight a spectacular Canadian heritage moment. Now, all you Canadian listeners out there will know uh, the Canadian heritage moment. I smell burnt toast. <laughs> I remember the best James Naismith one, the basketball. One. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, so yeah, we want to highlight a Canadian player and what they did this year. Uh, girl, what was yours? So I just want to go back to the James Naismith. Thing. <laughs> okay, in the sure. commercial, he's like, "What? What can we do to make this game easier?" And he's like, "We can cut a hole in the basket, <laughs> so that the and first, so the first part of the scene is he, they cut a hole in the basket, and so that they can use a broom to push it out." Yeah, <laughs> sorry. We'll we'll share it on our IG so you get <laughs> so you get the joke with us. Um, so I'm gonna pick a lesser moment, I think, for what people might expect from us. But I'm excited. I liked the return of Bianca in Miami. <gasps> yes, that uh, the drama that was sort of involved there with her return. Obviously, she didn't do um, well um, at the Australian Open, and then she. <laughs> Uh, I think ha- was you know she's perpetually injured to be honest, uh, which is <laughs> not her fault. She's an athlete, and that happens. If, you know, look at Delpo. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, she mm-hmm. doesn't end up like Delpo. But we were all looking forward to her return. Uh, that particular event, she did not 
uh, disappoint, had, uh, you know, a straight set win in her first round, but had four incredible three set matches. Each of them were memorable um, and amazing. The one that stands out for me, obviously, is Cerebus Tormo because I'm obsessed Uh with her. Yes. And anybody who can take her out and grind in 30 ball rallies um, when Cerebus Tormo is playing really well, I'm impressed with. So Mm. um, the fact that she was able to come back um, into after having played three matches against, you know, uh, first first round straight set win, Anisimova in the second round, Mugu in the third round. Mm to beat Cerebus Tormo and then beat Zachary, which was another incredible match. And I hope their rivalry continues because they had an amazing, amazing match, I think, at the U.S. Open where Zachary won. (coughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, unfortunately, heartbreak, she tumbled and injured her thigh. Mm -hmm. But that uh, that event was, I think, a really cool uh, just experience to watch as a Canadian tennis fan and, and sort of rooting for her. So I picked that. As that's my, a great, yeah, that's a great moment. Clap, clap to you for choosing that moment. Um, just a little add on to that. Um, we all know that Bianca has also pulled out of the Australian open. Um, you know, I think a theme that we will cover in this episode is that of mental health And she has admittedly said that 2021 has been a difficult year for her. Her grandmother was hospitalized. Um, She's had to deal with a lot of like kind of offline personal issues. And so she's taking a break from the tour to get herself together, which is a wonderful and great thing. Um, Clap, clap to Naomi Osaka for bringing the mental health aspect of professional sport to the spotlight. And um, all I can say is that girls up in Greece I don't know whether you saw this story, but she said, happy birthday to this guy. Um, Did you see that? I did see that, yeah. Uh, Did you not get, like, boyfriend vibes from that situation? I checked his IG. He has 76 followers. (laughs) 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 What are you saying? I don't know. I mean, listen, if she's going to shout out a guy that has, like, literally no followers, that's, there's a bit of... He's important to her, for sure. He... He's important to her, and she's up in Greece, and she's having a good time. She's looking fierce in that maroon lace dress, lace-up dress. So, Bianca, we send you love and peace and restorative um, energy. And Jason chose you as his, you know, Canadian A moment. Yeah, and just let us know if here in Toronto you need that lamp in your basement. We will ship it out (laughs) to you. On a, yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, go. Um, okay, go, go, go. Well, I chose this moment because um, it is truly a Canadian moment because I shared it with you. I shared it with Russell, who is our very close friend in Montreal. Uh, and it has to do with a player that is very, I would say, extremely near and dear to our heart. It's a player that we interviewed this year in April who had not burst onto the scene quite yet, but who is now an international star, big beyond belief, Leila Andy Fernandez, and her fourth round win, or was it her third round win? Third round win, third round win over Naomi Osaka. Jason and I were playing the Montreal tournament in September. Um, We were over at Russell's house. We were supposed to have a wonderful evening planned 
uh, going out, but our wonderful evening became even better because we were just glued to the television watching our girl, Layla Annie Fernandez, who, who we had recently interviewed, take out the big titan, Naomi Osaka. And admittedly, I mean, I'm going to speak for myself. I know um, Russell felt this way, and I think that maybe you felt this way, Jay, as well. But like, Layla was a girl that had proven herself by winning her first title in Monterey. But when it came against, when it came to beating the big names like Osaka, she hadn't quite accomplished that yet. So we didn't know whether she had it in her at the time, at the time mm-hmm. to do it. And bitch did it. And not only did she do it, but it was her like moment to say to the world, look at me. Yeah. I And she ended up making the finals of the U.S. Open. So that is the moment, I believe, in her career that solidified her confidence and allowed her to say, you know what? That top 10 goal that I shared on the Ready Play Tennis podcast in April is viable and I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, she's going to get there. She's not quite there, obviously. She wanted mm-hmm. it by the end of this year, but she will get there. It was very cool to have made the decision not to go out to sit there in, in Russell's place and watch that match. And even <clears throat> uh, though she went down um, and lost the first set, we knew there was some potential there. I think I went... Because we were going to go out, I went mm. to the bathroom and showered, and then when I came <laughs> yeah. out of the shower, she was up three love, I think, in the second set. I was like, what happened? And you guys were like, <laughs> Naomi's having a bit of a meltdown. Yeah. So she, yeah. she had sort of um, just lost focus and uh, energy, but she was able to, I think, mount a bit of a comeback, but... Naomi lost that second set in a, it was a tie break. One of those tie sets break. was a tie break. Yeah. Second set was a tie break. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to conclude and add on about Layla, I think the thing that people really fell in love with was the fact that she has an insatiable determination to win something that you really want to see in a younger player. And that, you know, her mental toughness that she spoke about on our episode with her. Check it out on YouTube. There's like thousands of people that have watched that. <laughs> um, yeah, it really came, it came to fruition in that match. And so we are undoubtedly so proud of her. And she is just so humble and so cool that she continues to communicate with us through IG. I mean, this girl has like tons of followers now, but she, you can tell she has a genuine heart and... You know, we're just so happy for her. Yeah, I mean, that whole experience of her throughout that tournament, staying connected with us, um, wishing us luck in doubles (laughs) in Montreal. Like, she doesn't have to do that. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it definitely um, personalized our experience of that journey with her to have watched that match and then... um, continue to communicate with her as she's playing a grand slam and making yeah. her like maiden breakthrough. Yeah, absolutely. And wishing us good luck in doubles and thanking us so much for <laughs> messaging her. Like what? I know. So nice. Love her. I guess honorable mention would be Dennis's play in Wimbledon making the semifinals uh, and Yes. Being up in every set against Djokovic and then being unfortunately broken 
at every critical moment that a top player would want to break you to win and take away that set from you three times. <laughs> 100%. Can we also send a shout out to Gabby Dabrowski, doubles specialist, qualifying for the year on championships. This girl, you know, we don't talk about doubles enough, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, but she has represented Canada on the world stage in the best possible way. And we are just so proud of her. So, yeah, girl, when you get a chance to take a minute from your IG game, Come talk to us on our show. We'd love to have you. Amen. Okay. Found it in the trash. <laughs> Category tell, is. Tell, tell, tell everybody what that's Found it in the trash. Okay. So a player works really hard all year. <laughs> gears himself up for a tournament. Makes the quarterfinals. Makes the semifinals. They make that <laughs> final. They're really excited. They're busting it out. You know, making a third set after losing the first. And yeah. uh, they pull it out 6-4. They pull it out 7-5. <laughs> then they get to the winner's circle and they have that trophy presentation. Mm. Then they see that trophy <laughs> on the pedestal that they placed on the court. And they're like, as soon as I lift this trophy and take that one picture that I will never post on my IG, <laughs> I'm going to throw that trophy in the trash. Ew. Is that a good explanation? I love it. <laughs> ew. Ew. <laughs> so many ew trophies. And I think the the fact that there were so many ew trophies was related to the fact that there were so many ad hoc tournaments that were added to fill gaps in the calendar. Yeah. That these tournaments sort of popped up four, five, six weeks to go. Um, in yeah. terms of the planning and when they ended up being scheduled that it was like oh shit we gotta make that trophy <laughs> yeah I mean not only were people um, uh, not only were people struggling in the trophy creation department but people were struggling in the name of the tournament department like tennis in the land bitch what the fuck is that Tennis in what land? <laughs> in the land of USA? In the land of Cleveland. Grampians trophy? Okay, that maybe is more legit because I don't know what a Grampian is. But when I think of a Grampian, I think of like a geriatric man, like needing to get his diaper changed. <laughs> Grandpa. Uh, any of our Australian listeners will know that the Grampians is like a mountain range in, in Victoria <laughs> Province in Australia. I only wow, know that I would... because I went hiking there when I you know what? Okay, thank you for educating me. You're absolutely right. I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might as well go first because you named my trophy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go that's ahead. okay. The player that shall not be named. So this was her first, I think, tournament win on the latter half of the season where she won five in a row. Uh, uh, tennis in the land, Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> Not home of good trophy making. Uh, I have written on my notes, hashtag basic fucking trophy. <laughs> Found on page 13 of the trophy ordering catalog. Little, little pedestal, little round, little round glass thing. <laughs> Name of the tournament. The word champion on it. 
Oh my god, I'm looking at the photo right now. Thank you for reminding me of this complete disaster. <laughs> like, <laughs> there were other phallic-looking trophies that maybe could have made the list, but has- hashtag basic fucking trophy, this one takes the cake. Bitch, we got better trophies from um, winning GLTA tournaments. Yes. If we won them, we would have gotten better trophies. <laughs> <laughs> we have better finalist trophies than the winner's trophies at Tennis uh, in the Land. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. She definitely threw that out. She definitely is, is um, has a career, potentially a, a, a secondary <laughs> career in acting. Because she is posing well with it, like looking really happy and excited. But you know, yeah, she, she walked off the court and she threw it in the nearest trash can. Didn't she also win a tournament where her trophy was a dildo? That, that was uh, that was a Strava, I think. It would looked very phallic. Like hardcore dildo. Yeah. And she like, or like kissing it. Or, oh, yeah, wait. Or a bong. Yeah. Like she put her weed at the bottom. She smoked that, smoked yeah. that shit. She would, I feel like she would be into that. <laughs> I, I mean, she loves plants. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> a good choice. Uh, that was definitely one of the worst tournaments. Oh, sorry, one of the worst trophies of the year. I am going to say, you know what? I think, unfortunately, there's a theme here. I'm sure there are terrible men's trophies, but the WTA seems to be stepping up in terms of like really poor execution in terms of trophy presentations. Chicago 125. <laughs> Alina Svitolina defeated Corny in the final. Her first tournament win of 2021. You know, you gave the um, very detailed precursor of this category. Worked her way through the draw, had a difficult year, ends up winning the title, is standing there in front of the microphone. They have the, whatever, the reveal of the trophy. And it is literally a plastic dish (laughs) that um, one of the tournament organizers drove down one of the suburban streets 25 minutes away from the tournament site. They saw a moving sale (laughs) and were like, they saw the table out front, 25 cents per piece. We're going to use this green ratchet dish as your trophy. Ew. Step <laughs> it up. Listen, I know that you're an ad hoc tournament, but like you need to have more comprehensive. Are you looking at the picture? I feel like you're looking at the picture. I think so. Ratchet it, do, dish. Do you, see, do you see that? Yeah. It, it's Yeah. Okay. It look it, From the picture I'm looking at, it kind of looks like it's a uh, like decorative green glass that has yes. holes in it but it's actually a full sort of plate situation okay you're being too generous <laughs> that's i mean that's your english major coming through with your you know highfalutin adjectives it is basically like a cigarette dish like you want to you're smoking a couple butts and you're like i'm done and you like fucking put your butt out in that dish what a shame ew wt get your shit together chicago like we know you're ghetto but like you don't need to give the champion of your tournament the champion of your tournament a cigarette dish period <laughs> Um, I quite like <laughs> I quite like Chicago, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like Chicago too. <laughs> um, well, I was laughing while you were making that description because when I look at it now, it I see, <laughs> I see, like uh, a balloon animal. 
In, inside of it, it looks like a bunny. Do you see it? <laughs> I need to look at the picture again. I tried to erase it from my mems. Like if Ew. you if you look into the center of it, like the top, you can kind of see like the bunny head and then the bunny ear by Svitolita's like pointer finger. And then throughout the middle is like the 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 bunny body. Bitch, I don't see that. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But she is so small, she can grasp it with her tiny fingers. Yeah. Like, just two fingers. Ew. Step up. (laughs) If people people are listening and want to check the internet um, (laughs) and see this, you have to check it out. I would also encourage you to DM us and let us know your... Um, trophy. I do recall one um, one or more of our listeners um, asking us what the um, National Bank Open tr- trophy was. Right. Yeah, isn't it like an atom? It was like a hot little orb or atom situation. Well, okay, I need to know the reason why. That does not say Scream Toronto to me. Is it like... Okay, anyway, whatever. It, look, it sort of uh, has a tennis racket shape situation going on okay yeah okay i mean medvedev looked cute with it i didn't think it was so um gross yeah sorry cool (laughs) found it in the trash show okay more serious note in the headlines category in the headlines are we i don't know if i'm able to be serious right now i'm literally hammed we're having so much fun obviously we are (laughs) one hour in and we're only halfway through our categories (laughs) who fucking cares (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i guess i can go first while you gather yourself (laughs) so uh obviously there was a lot of stories um that encapsulated 2021 there was covid What are you going to say? You'll have to wait to find out. Um, COVID impacted tournaments in different ways. I think one of the big stories, obviously, was the return of Raja. Ooh. Yeah. Raja Federer, you know, emerging (laughs) from a year plus of injury, um, playing tournament in Switzerland, um, playing in Hala, and then, you know, making, playing the thing that happened at the French Open where he played three rounds, looked really good, and then was like, deuces, I'm going <laughs> to withdraw because I want to save myself for Wimbledon, and we know how that turned out. He, unfortunately, I think, re-injured himself uh, and fell 6-0 to her catch and hopefully is not his last Wimbledon, but remains Ooh. to be seen. But I think for me, um, and many people would um, look to the Naomi Osaka story and the focus Ooh. on mental health and Ooh. you know a little bit of the backstory there um, in the lead up to the French Open uh, she sort of um, preemptively announced that she did not want to speak um, to the media that um, uh, I can't remember how much she divulged in that initial um, uh, proclaimment that she didn't want to speak to the media but uh, it sort of evolved from there um, she was warned that she was going to be fined. That fine happened after her first round win. Um, and then the uh, Grand Slams piled on and said there could be further repercussions. And she decided to uh, step away from that and withdrew and acknowledged that uh, maybe she needed a break um, and uh, acknowledged that she was dealing with some mental health um, challenges. 
uh, I think some of us were a little bit um, in wonderment as she was releasing lots of other <laughs> uh, pieces of media product at the time, magazine mm-hmm. covers, Netflix specials, mm-hmm. um, which sort of led to a bit of a disconnect and a bit of confusion around her true sort of feelings. But I think... Um, Obviously, she is a shy person, um, and it takes a bit of energy for her to speak to the media. Um, So there has been talk, obviously, of accommodations for that and what that will look like. And um, it sort of was the talk of the tennis world for a while. And um, definitely, um, like Tsitsipas, impacted the remainder of her season. And Mm. let's not forget that she was going into an Olympic year in the country where she was hosting. It was the torchbearer. Ah, yes. What a great story. I mean, a great story in the sense that it... um, I mean, just like any great champion, her bringing light to the issue really, I think, has set the precedent for other players. I mean, just look at what we just mentioned about Bianca. I think had it not been for Naomi and the mistakes that she made in trying to raise awareness about the the importance of mental health, especially in professional sport, I don't know that Bianca would have had been, would have had the same kind of tools or the same kind of steps to follow in her choice to kind of take a break from the Australian Open. I mean, admittedly, when the story of Naomi was kind of breaking down, I mean, remember, you and I would be like, okay, mental health, but bitch, you're on the Vogue cover getting all those coins. Like, what mental health? But, you know, you and I were covering it as it was happening. And now in retrospect, you know, I think a lot of players have taken you know, some education from her experience. And I think she's taken some education from that experience. So, you know, it's a good thing to shine a light on mental health. Uh, she unfortunately had to be the person to to kind of be the pioneer in that area. But, I mean, power to her. All we want is for our tennis players to be at their very best. And if it means taking a break, then girl, do that. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think if there's anything that, you know, if there's anything to come out of Naomi Osaka's situation, it's about, you know, being more, I was going to say being more transparent about your feelings because it can be perceived as um, maybe disingenuine, especially when you have so many sponsors with uh, that you're aligned with that are just like, putting all those coins in your bank account at the same time. I mean, to tennis fans like you and I, and, you know, I'm going to speak for myself, it just doesn't look right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, she's made amends for that particular situation, and all we can hope for is that she comes back, she returns to Australia stronger than ever. Yeah, I think the learning for her in this particular moment was to have a bit more clarity in terms of Mm. how you express yourself um, in that situation. I think in hindsight, she realized, oh, I maybe wasn't clear and I should have explained myself a bit better. And, you know, having the resources that she has, i.e. shmoney, she could (laughs) work with the publicist to sort of uh, help her craft um, what that could look like. But I think she also... Um, what is so <clears throat> endearing and appealing about her is that she does sort of connect 
with fans directly. So in some of those moments, I think she just needs to pick and choose how she does that and, and sort of how she presents those issues because it caused, I think, a bit of confusion. Long story short, we all want her to be back. We want the player who, once she makes the quarterfinals of a Grand Slam, is undefeated. <laughs> and admittedly, we want her to win other titles beyond the Grand Slams because, you know, you can't, <laughs> can't just win them Grand Slams. You got to win some more stuff. Although, winning the Grand Slams is nice for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to give you my um, headline for the year. It's a It's a recent headline. Um, and it's a headline that unfortunately has fallen off a little tiny incy wincy bit, but is still very prevalent and important in our community. It's a story of Peng Shui. Now, we're not going to get into the nitty gritty of the details. I'm pretty sure that all of our listeners understand what the um, baseline 411 is about the Peng Shui situation. Needless to say that since we broke the story a couple of weeks ago, um, the biggest news has been the WTA announcing a stoppage in all tournaments in China, which is an extremely bold move. Um, Simon, Steve Simon, who's the, I don't know whether he's the CEO or the president of the WTA. I think he's both. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There she is, both, has taken a stance that I know Jason has been very kind of um, proud of because there are a lot of international sports organizations, NBA, that haven't taken as strong a stance as the WTA has in terms of like fear. I, IOC. <laughs> exactly. IOC. Um, and, you know, here we are, WTA saying, you know what? We're not going to accept uh, what you have given us in terms of evidence of her safety. And we're going to just stop it, stop all of the tournaments. We're going to face the economic repercussions of pulling out of China until you can assure that this player of ours is safe and secure. You know, again, again, we're not going to, Jason and I are not going to get into the all, all of the nuances about like, you know, the duress that Peng Shui might be in because of, you know, her government and its, you know, a, a deep history of like censoring individuals and their freedom of speech. Um, needless to say that, you know, an important note here is that uh, Joe Biden, president of the United States, has called for a diplomatic boycott of um, the upcoming Winter Olympics in 2022. And um, I mean, we have seen and heard videos of Peng Shui saying that she's safe, but uh, <laughs> is she really safe? Yeah. And, you know, and I, I just want to say one last thing on this issue. Um Nicolas Marou, who is a French tennis player and now um, tournament director for the tournament in Angers, uh, did a very um, kind of, what's the word that I'm looking for? He kind of pushed the buttons a little bit by inviting Peng Shui to be the presenter of the champion of the tournament, knowing full well that, you know, China and their history of censorship are probably not going to release this player to do that, but it was his kind of underhanded but forceful way to say, hashtag where is Peng Shui, release her from the country, allow her to cross a border, and prove to everyone and the rest of the world that she is in fact 
completely 100% safe. Yeah, it's safe and like can make her own decisions. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think what's scary about China is that this doesn't just happen to players like her. It happens in other professions mm. where they go against the CCP. Right. Um, you know, I saw an interview on CNN with Richard Pound, who's like one of the IOC uh, members. And ah. he was speaking to the anchor and saying, you know, I didn't, he didn't attend the phone call, but, you know, uh, athletes have a camaraderie and uh, an understanding with one another. And, you know, the, the folks on the call, which were other IOC members, would have been able to sense whether she was in duress and it's like mm. well sure <laughs> okay but you know you're running a games that's about to happen in china I, right you obviously don't want to affect that did you actually ask her is she right. okay you know do you have anything that you want to say about the allegations so not, no discussion of that um have we heard from any chinese players have we heard from Right, Li Na, you know, yeah. former Chinese player, any of the current Chinese players, you know, the government has got on the phone with them and said, do not say a word. Yeah. Yeah, that's messed up. And, you know, it, it just goes back to the initial news story of the IOC. Uh, was it the president and another, a, a few IOC pr- uh, officials that had this Skype call or this, you know, video conference call that, where Peng Shui said that she was safe? I mean, how how intriguing is it that this IOC member and no other international body, including the WTA, were invited to assure that she was, in fact, not in duress? You know, it's just very. It's very intriguing. I will say one final note on this Peng Shui story. The ITF, the Inter- International Tennis Federation, which is the governing body of, you know, essentially all of the different levels of tennis around the world, has decided not to put a stoppage of tournaments in China. And their excuse is, and I mean, I don't want to lead people with the word excuse, but I mean, their justification for that is, is that they don't want to, um, they don't, they don't want to, um, you know, uh, cause harm to the one point whatever billion people that are in China that are, that are playing tennis. And I don't know, I just think it's a bit of kind of a, a weak move. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, the ATP should be doing the same. Yeah. And I'm looking at, uh, Richard uh, in in brackets uh, Dick Pound, which sounds like a gay porn star for sure. <laughs> uh, he's he's a, a representative on the IOC with our country. Embarrassing, oh. Team Canada. Oh, oh. yeah, don't Just, like it. I mean, politics. There's so much. There's so much that goes behind closed doors. And I mean, one little note here, it's no wonder that players like Vashek and Djokovic are so vehemently uh, forceful with their voice because, you know, there's just so much that needs to be made fair. Anyway, whatever, that's a different, that's an an altogether different tangent. Yeah. But um, yeah. Okay, we have a few more categories to get to and we're at like an (laughs) hour 10. You know what? Let's take our time. <laughs> y'all can li- y'all can listen. You can break it up into like different different moments. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Different <laughs> listening segments. Uh, okay. Category is slay or nay. Slay or nay. You know what? Thank goodness for a little levity. Yeah. I mean, this whole episode has been levity. <laughs> it has. I'm having a good time. I'm having a great time. I'm anyway. Okay. Slay or nay. I'm going to give you the description. So this is uh, best and worst tennis kits of the 2021 season. Okay. I'm going to start. I'm going to say that the best, the ultimate best. Oi. Was that a drink? I almost knocked over a glass. Of water? Uh, my empty wine glass. Oh. Yeah. It's okay. Okay. The best tennis kit of the 2021 season is undoubtedly Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul, for those of you that can't recognize my faux New York <laughs> accent. New Balance. Yes, bitch. New Balance giving me 90s mixed pattern realness. Checkerboard short. Flaming pink. Apollo look cute as hell in his backwards cap and curly hair. We all know he's a model. That doesn't matter. But like, I am living for this look. I love a, a throwback outfit. It gives me like updated Pete Sampras Nike Court 1990s, minus the baggy short. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like people were comparing it to one of Stan Wawrinka's past. Kits, ah. this sort of checkerboard short um, pattern. I'm pulling it up now. Yeah, um, it Vavrinka, was, yeah Vavrinka it was, is is sponsored by who though? He is Yonix. Nike. Yonix. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It looks His like was, it was four. It says four years ago, and it's a, on the clay. His was not cute. I didn't like I didn't like Vavrinka's. Tommy Paul looked cute in his. He looked modern. He looked cute. He looked fresh, and it coincided beautifully with his upswing in his game. Yeah. So I'm. That's my number one. Slay. Slay. Slay, my, bitch. My slay is anything that Francis Tiafo puts on. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, the latter half of the season, the Nike kit, especially when he rocked the white shorts and that booty. Oof. Yeah, I think Oof. I think physique wise, he's got the best physique, uh, and he obviously takes his chances to take off his shirt so we can see his body, yadi yadi. Oh, Francis, jeez, just giving me shivers all the way down. My nay, ah, would be Alexander Zverev and the early uh, season. <laughs> cut off shirt that <laughs> doesn't show off any definition or muscles adidas white sleeveless yeah madrid he wore it in madrid when he won yeah she did it yeah, grow on not, you no no I, I mean i mean first of all it's basic it's like giving you basic bitch vibes so i'm not about it so yeah agreed i mean like there i can't think off the top of my head which other player might have worn that sleeveless white shirt maybe it was like an exclusive situation because he's a top seed but you know let us know is there someone that wore that sleeveless white shirt better mm, not sure mm-hmm. um can i add a couple things yeah for sure uh everyone that wore the fall nike court 2021 stuff uh us open was serving me 
uh, medium fries with a strawberry milkshake. <laughs> don't like it. Yeah. Um, I don't watch tennis to uh, see what you might be serving if you were working at the checkout window of a fast food chain. So that's a no for me. I hate everything that Yelena Ossipenko wears. So sh- she's That's out. not about what she's wearing, though. You're right. <laughs> she's so dislike her. <laughs> um, okay, and on a positive note, I really liked everything that Eleven by Venus showed this season. But unfortunately, we didn't see a lot of it because Venus Williams was terrible. And she basically didn't play any matches because she lost all of them. (laughs) Excuse me. She had a tough go. She did. (laughs) Honorable mention would go to the player that shall not be named for the Lacoste kit she was working the end of the season. Agreed. She looked looked good. Okay. Serving body adi adi for me, Francis. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to roll into that one. Yeah. Serving body adi adi, Francis agreed. Um, I'm gonna give you a you know, listen, uh, an easy okay. CC Pass looked really good in those white shorts, especially when he was wet. They were <laughs> often wet, they were wet. I was wet, <laughs> <laughs> we all were wet. <laughs> Maybe that's why he had to leave the court all the time. <laughs> I know he had to, he had to dry himself off. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know what? And I'm going to give, and I'm surprised that you didn't uh, uh, nominate this player, but Maria Sakkari. Body, yaddy, yaddy. Girl, please. Yeah, she's she's definitely got the physique for sure. She should also be in the nay category for that floral print Adidas Uh, dress situation. Stella McCartney, you know, find another designer. Who wants to wear flowers? Anyway, Maria Sakkari, that body just does not quit. She is giving me like muscle, Mary, put it in. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Put it in. <laughs> what? Like, yeah. <laughs> those are my, those are my, uh, this, 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 this is getting messy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We better, we better wrap this up in the next 15 minutes or so. <laughs> I'm going to make, um, an executive decision on the fly. I think we should talk Go about on. the best tournament next. Agreed. Okay. 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 So I have two. Well, yeah. Okay. I have two. Um, <laughs> I think for the quality of the draw, for uh, the level of tournaments, I have to yeah. pick Vienna. Ooh. Vienna this year was rockin uh i remember some of the announcers were like there should be another category in between 500 and 1000 because the the draw was so good it had like everybody pretty much with the exception of djokovic in terms of Mm. the top players who were actively playing at the time yeah and uh the matches were incredible the tiafo uh center match in the semis uh, was amazing. Tiafo's um, play against Zverev, even in the finals, Zverev was playing obviously phenomenal and won the event. But yeah, that whole experience seeing Tiafo emerge as a player to watch and another American this year sort of coming uh, of, of their own towards the end of the season. Mm. Juicy and full capacity 
like just before they locked that shit down over there. Yeah, and did you not mention that Vienna is the tournament site where there is one court reserved for um, people to watch, you know, if you're a person that's just from the public to just pop in and watch tennis match? Like, I think that's phenomenal. Yeah, they had a court, I think, in the city center. um, Mm. And people, it was the secondary court and people could pay, I think, 20 euro, which is pretty cheap, um, and just pop in and see see a match so bringing tennis to the masses in a way which is cool yeah i love that um okay no uh, thank you yeah you're welcome <laughs> no surprise maybe a bit of a surprise but um <laughs> jason and i have come out of a year and a half of um tennis common commentary from our comfortable homes only to surface for this 2021 season and watch live tennis together mm. at our own National Bank Open. Um, do we necessarily have the experience of visiting other tournaments to have a comparison? No. But if there's any tournament that Jason and I have experience with attending, it is obviously our home tournament, um, the newly named National Bank Open. Thank you, National Bank, for becoming our new sponsor. Jason and I had a Cinderella experience while we were there. Um, the organization was tight, and it was right. On the subway, Jason, myself, and Jason's husband, Wade, were commuting to our first match um i forget which day it was wearing our ready play tennis podcast t-shirts and the organization in terms of making sure that um you know we had passed the covid screening was perfection um the organization in terms of uh shepherding all of the uh viewers to their appropriate seats was amazing the tennis although I only witnessed one night of it was amazing. And Jason, obviously here you're going to have an opportunity to share your entire week <laughs> of tennis viewing. I, I'm sure was amazing, but the national bank open on the men's and the women's side, I felt did an, an insanely incredible job in the midst of a pandemic, providing entertainment to Canadian tennis fans in Montreal and in Toronto and um, we are just so thankful to have experienced that in person. And we are hoping that you will invite us next year to be on-court commentators. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, lest you forget, you were there two nights, not just one. <laughs> really? Yeah. The first oh night God. we had the, the Nick Curio sign. Uh, and then the uh, second yeah. night we had the Pass sign. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I went uh, four nights. I had the Daniil Medvedev sign on the Thursday, which got me on TV and got us yes. shared and like Rublev IG accounts crossing off Medvedev and replacing Medvedev with Rublev on my sign. How dare you? Maybe that's why his season sucks so bad. I know. Can I just say one quick thing? Yeah. Because of your sign for Medvedev, 
we have now consistently ranked in the top five of tennis podcasts in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> since July. So thank you all our Russian listeners. For seeing my sign. <laughs> I was going to say dosvedanya, but that means <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We still have a few more minutes to go in this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a good event. I don't know... You know, the, the COVID screening thing was smooth because it was kind of a joke. It was just like, <laughs> <laughs> answer, answer yes to all, or no to all these questions and then get, show us your check mark on your phone and then you're good to go. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I think obviously that's buttoned up now that people are required to show their vaccine status. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yes, it was uh, well done for sure. I had a great time. Uh, got scored some tickets to Saturday, which was the semifinal. Unfortunately, the Medvedev Isner match was um, not great. Oh. But um, the only disappointing piece was the fact that there were n- were no you couldn't walk around the grounds, and there was yeah. no access to the grandstand court, which is always a nice court to catch players like Karatsev, who I would have liked to have seen, but they wouldn't put him on center court. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, shout out, uh, honorable mention, Paris Masters for that en- entrance <laughs> intro of the players. Badassery all around there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we have two more categories left. Oh, okay. We're gonna. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should. You're right. I see what you were doing. Yeah. Uh, what shall we? Category Ooh. is match of match the year. Of the year. Okay. You go first. Shall I? Okay. Yeah. Men's match of the year has to go to my ex-boyfriend and none other than, you know, he was in the running of being the GOAT, but clearly is not anymore because Djokovic has taken over that title. Pass versus Nadal in Nadal's home tournament of Barcelona. Nadal takes it 6-4, 6-7, 7-5. Nadal saves the match point. The reason why this is the men's match of the year is a, as you remember from our episode, I spoke with my ex-boyfriend at the time uh, the night before while he was um, on the balcony, you know, whatever, doing those weird like Greek proverbs and shit. (laughs) I was like, fuck this shit. You know what? I'm breaking up with you. And that gave him the motivation to really show his mettle, although it was not good enough. But he <laughs> lost it. <laughs> he lost to Nadal, and Nadal ends up winning. Uh, help me out here. It's something like his twelfth Barcelona title, tenth, eleventh, something like twentieth, yeah. some some insane number of like home titles, and the tennis was just phenomenal. It was just the perfect marriage of players that were at the peak of their tennis game in that particular part of the season. And um, unfortunately, I, th- I thought it was going to be a sign of things to come for um, Tsitsi, but it was not. And, you know, Nadal, I would, I would say that was almost, that was probably the peak of the season winning Barcelona because we all know what happened to him at the French. Um, but that was an unbelievable match and I will remember it forever as the match that 
happened the day after I broke up with my ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's so interesting. Uh, Why? I'm, I'm looking at my list of matches. I came up with obviously a, a handful because there were so many good ones. Um, and for me, uh, not that there weren't any good matches in the latter half of the season, but a lot of the ones that I sort of remembered were from the earlier uh, parts of 2021. Yeah. You know, I have the match that I talked about very early on, which was Sitsi Pasverev in Acapulco. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's the Joko Sitsi French Open final. Um, lest we forget the drama that was the Nadal Djokovic oh. match in the 80 minute. Was it Ooh. second set or third yeah. set? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the back and forth people posting on Twitter how this is like tennis for the gods, baby. <laughs> uh, everyone was blown away by just the point craftsmanship and the shots in that particular set um, that went to Djokovic. Um, I put here, you know, Medvedev and Hugo from Paris just for the atmosphere mm. in that stadium. Like Hugo, obviously the underdog, making a big tournament quarterfinal and just being in front of his home crowd, lighting it up and hamming it up with the crowd. Um, yeah. I also had Karatsev Djokovic in Serbia, which was another amazing match on clay that Karatsev took semifinal. If you recall, it was like three hours something. That was another match where some folks on our IG told us we should watch, and I went back and watched on the <laughs> tennis TV. But my pick was your pick. Oh, yeah. what? The same. Wow. The same, very same match for the very same reason. It was Sitsi was finding himself on the clay, figuring yeah. out how to construct those points, loopy forehand into the yeah. corners, constri- you know, trying to find his spot to hit his winner, and was having success against a guy who owns that particular court, and you thought he was going to win. But it went yeah. three hours plus and was just so. <clears throat> good yeah unfortunate that they couldn't revisit that pairing that rivalry later in the year but i mean for what it was worth at the time it was an unbelievable match yeah yeah agreed the djokovic Sitsi drama in the french open final was good too Sitsi going (laughs) two cents to love and you're like this is gonna happen he's gonna win and then something happens djokovic gets a break, goes up 3-1, and then it's like the train starts and you can't stop it at a certain point. Yeah. 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 Djokovic had many good matches. The Zverev... The Zverev-Djoko semi at the US Open was amazing. Five-setter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Honorable mention, obviously, in terms of, like, complete performance was the gold medal match with Zverev. And Hachinov, like, completely obliterated him. Yeah. But, I, yeah, pick the same I, one. I, there are so many matches that Zverev is a part of that, you know, makes me want to... Oh, my gosh. You know, I don't want to give too much away. Anyway, Zverev took part in so many memorable matches of the year 
that um, just makes me very proud of him because at this point last year, we were really talking about a lot of his personal life situations and not very much about his on-court tennis situations that he's really turned it around for him in a professional way. So good for Zverev. Turnt. Turnt. He then turned that shit around. Exactly. Okay. Uh, women's match of this year. Oh my god! I feel. I don't know. I have a feeling that we have the same one. I don't know okay. that we do. Really? Yeah. I don't Sh- think we do. Do you want me to start? Did you start the last one? <laughs> uh, yeah, you did. I did. So I, I did. should start. Okay, go give it. Okay, so my honorable mention obviously goes to a story you already told, which was Naomi and Layla. Just for the sheer experience that we had and the joy as friends coming together and making a decision not to go out and get um, a little bit tipsy before (laughs) our own tournament, but to watch our girl Layla see if she can break through. Yes. Um, Obviously, another Layla match in that same tournament would be the Svitolina match. Oh, amazing. Svitolina was on fire. Um, we thought she wasn't going to be able to pull it out because Fidelina, when she's on, is tough, gets every ball back. She was able to pull that out. But my match of the year involves <gasps> Azarenka and uh, Pedosa. Of course. Yes. So good. So good. Uh, a matchup, I think, of similar styles off the ground. Uh, heavy hitting, long ass points, another long match. Just really great uh, tennis to watch. And uh, obviously, someone we're a fan of in Vika, who we've spoken to. Check out our interview with her. Um, and Bedosa, who um, will probably interview her boyfriend and then her. Uh, but yeah, another uh, player, I think, who emerged and rose in the ranks 60 so spots um, and won the title. Best match for me. Yeah, you know, Indian Wells is a fascinating tournament because it clearly occurred after the U.S. Open. Normally, that's not where it would be pegged in the year. Um, I felt like Indian Wells was a redemption tournament for a lot of players who normally at this time would have completed their Grand Slam uh, campaign, but decided everyone looks to Indian Wells and um, Miami as like the fourth sorry, the fifth and sixth most important tournaments in the tennis calendar. And you had a girl in Bedosa who has toiled and troubled her way through the WTA tour. (laughs) Boiled and bubbled. Boiled, boiled and bubbled. And, um, you know, managed to have everything click at that very important tournament. And Vika, who we interviewed last year, actually, I'm not sure whether you're aware, Jason, but like this time, this exact time last year, we were sharing promos for our Vika interview. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Vika got her shit together, having had a mediocre year on the WT tour. And that was just like the perfect combination of women that wanted to prove themselves on court. And it was a ball-bashing extravaganza. Mm -hmm. Extravaganza. Extravaganza. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been easy to pick 
you know, one of Layla's matches for sure. And I knew we were going to talk lots about her, but that, um, that was the match for me. And, you know, Layla made the semifinal. That match against Arena was amazing. Right. And, you know, poor Arena still sort of flailing out in her. Sorry, my computer came on as I was <laughs> popping up. I, I clicked on an article um, uh, where uh, with Layla quoting, saying, I still can't accept that defeat. So she's reflecting on her loss to Emma and how she can improve. That's why she's amazing. She's always looking to improve and, and get better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so many sounds coming from so many computers. <laughs> okay. My match of the year happened at the complete opposite end of the calendar. And I think it sets the tone for two important players. It is the Osaka versus Muguruza Australian Open fourth round match. Who would have thunk it that this match so early in the year would have set the tone for Naomi and for Garbinia? Um, Garbinia was going into this match having already made the final of it was either Adelaide or or um, was it, what's the other tune up tournament for the Australian Open? Yeah, Sydney. It was in the Middle East. Uh, she played in Abu Dhabi, but she didn't make the final there. But she played a final and lost to Ash in Australia, looking incredibly on fire. Um, Osaka was kind of working her way through, but. I remember you and I had done the prep for this episode and we said those two players, Naomi and Garbinia, are the sharpest looking players at this time. And it was unfortunate for them to meet in the fourth round uh, of that Grand Slam tournament because that is truly what the final should have been. But these women did not disappoint. It was a uh, Osaka win, 4-6, 6-4, 7-5. Osaka saves two match points. And um, I mean, very similar to the match in uh, of Bedosa and Vika Azarenka. It was just two women that were kind of in their prime, in their prime of the season, battling it out before Naomi experienced the mental health, before Garbrinia experienced her kind of mental slump. And that was really a final to me and I think a final to a lot of people in the tennis community but um, Mm -hmm. yeah that was the match of the year I think very few matches past that point lived up to that caliber and to that uh, quality Mm -hmm. yeah I think when we watched that match there were a couple she had a couple match points right like she had she did she had two two match points and would it it would have been a completely different outlook had she won that match. Like she probably, she was playing well enough that she would have potentially won the event, even if she made it to Serena. Like, I think she was playing that well. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the winner of that match would have won the whole thing. You know, Naomi, I mean, kept her 12 and 0 record in quarterfinals at slams. Yeah. No offense, Jen Brady, but like, yeah, I think it would have been a thing for Garbinia. So. Oh, I miss Jen Brady. Come back. <laughs> um, yes, good choice. Okay, uh, quick, quick one. Uh, worst match of the year, easily. <laughs> Pliskova versus Siontek. <laughs> o and O. Went out to walk the dog, made breakfast, the match was over. 
no other words to add other than agreed. I have the exact same match. She won 13 points. Uh, she won eight, I think, in the second set. Five of them were in the final game, which she <laughs> lost because <laughs> she got it to deuce, I think, eventually and got an ad potentially. I don't yeah. remember the score. I mean, we drag her so hard. She ended up making the Wimbledon final. But, I mean, Pliskova is not a person that's easy to get behind. I mean, for for whatever reason, maybe it's because of the lack of personality. We saw a little bit of that at Wimbledon. But, um, I mean, Sviantek just dusted the floor with her ass. Yeah. 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 As she sometimes does, which is strange. And then sometimes yeah. she struggles. So, yeah. Okay. Player of the year. Category Ooh. is player uh, of the year. We are wrapping most... up our longest episode ever. <laughs> that is not split Mo- into two. A most important category of all time. Of all times. Oh my god, who wants to go first? Um uh, you go. I think I think it's I think it's okay to have the same player, just in case we do. Okay. Okay, <clears throat> the player of the year that I have is a clear winner for this category. This is a person, and I'm trying not to mention this person's gender, that has broken incredible records, that is extremely polemic in this person's behavior and attitude, um, is controversial not only on the tennis court, but off the tennis court. And this player is obviously Novak Djokovic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, obviously. Obvi. Listen, you could hate him. You could love him. You could be be lukewarm about this guy. It is, uh, let me just say for all of you in the back, back (laughs) row, you know, the bleeder seats that, you know, cost five bucks. I am not a huge fan of Djokovic, but I have enough rationale and enough... um, you know, understanding about the sport and the records to acknowledge that Novak Djokovic is undoubtedly the undoubtedly the best player that's ever played our sport. Let me just give you a quick run through of what he's accomplished this year. Number one, he surpassed Roger Federer's. All you Roger Federer fans can go in a corner and cry. <laughs> Record of 310 weeks at world number one. He surpassed Pete Sampras, another legend of the sport, his record of six year-end world number one ranking finishes, surpassed his own record that shared with Nadal of 36 Masters 1,000 titles, surpassed Roger's record of 224 wins over top 10 players. He's tied Federer Nadal's all-time record of, this is an important one, 20 major titles, and he's tied Federer's all-time record of 31 major finals reached. Not to mention that in addition to all of these things that he's achieved, he has achieved this year in 2021 what is called the Surface Slam. So winning Grand Slams on all on three different surfaces. Now, would it would it have been nice for him to win the Golden Slam? Sure. Not for everybody. <laughs> everybody was rooting against that. Yeah, okay, fine. Everybody's running against that, which gives maybe a little bit of an argument for Djokovic haters to say he's not the best of all time. But listen, facts are facts. 
We are now in an era where facts are important. Follow the science, people. <laughs> and um, you don't like Djokovic. You like Djokovic. You're lukewarm about Djokovic. You don't care about Djokovic. The tennis history books will say that Novak Djokovic is the best of all time, and he achieved it in 2021. So put that on record, bitch. <laughs> Point blank into period. Point blank, and all the punctuation marks. Yeah, I think you are. You're what you're trying to say is facts don't care about your feelings <laughs> <laughs> about Djokovic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean it's hard to argue with that. It is hard to argue with that. I mean, I think for me, I there, there's a handful of players that could have made um, the list. Casper, are you kidding me? Emerged ew, five two fifty titles. <laughs> no. tore down uh, Nick Curios for winning an event on hardcore. Fair. <laughs> um, Zverev winning lots of titles and like blistering people and just playing really well and, and not being a dumb dumb head. Um, I'm gonna pick somebody. Oh, this is tough. I have two names here. Ah, I'll p- I'm gonna pick the one that I think deserves it. Okay. Um, and this is a player that um, we forgot about for a good chunk of time. Ooh. Who reemerged in 2021 and was like, "How dare you forget I'm number one in the world?" Ash ah. Barty. Oh, well, clap, clap! Wow, yeah. well done. Good choice, bitch. Yeah. I That's mean, it. of course, her success was in the first half of the year winning, I think she won five titles. She won the most with the exception of the player that shall not be named, right? Uh, the player that shall be not, not be named won four. Right. And yeah. um, But she got to hold the coveted Venus Rosewater dish, which she's wanted to do since she was a little kid. And we got to see that photo of her with her little trophy as like a five-year-old or a seven-year-old. Um, had a nice little sort of back and forth rivalry um, in the March able to time frame with Arena Sabalenka is just beautiful to watch a lovely sports person. Everybody loves her. She has little nicknames for all the players. I think Karolina Pliskova, she calls her Kara. <laughs> um, nobody else would get that. And she is very gracious even when she loses and always gives gratitude to um, her opponent. So uh, she is like, she's not Federer yet, but she has the potential to be like a Federer like figure for women's sports if she can keep it going and she sort of continues to play and continues to be a representative for tennis. Yeah. I love your pick and I fully back you in choosing her for player of the year. Yeah. She's incredible. And I have to support your Djokovic pick. Uh, it's an obvious pick. He won three Grand Slams. Like, <laughs> it would be silly not for one of us not to have picked him but I think people rem- there are things people who don't like him remember the things that they don't like about him so they remember him throwing the racket into the stands at the US Open or they remember when he smashes his racket but they don't remember when he 
speaks out for the Peng Shui situation or yes. when he speaks out about getting players better uh, accommodations and food when they're in quarantine hotels or when he's on the court and he claps the player who has made an amazing shot even though he's up 6-2-4-1 against them. So I think there yeah. are things that people need to remember about them and, you know, our sports heroes, he's maybe not a hero to most people, but they're they're fallible, <laughs> but they can be amazing and um yeah he definitely is yeah i mean novak djokovic ash barty i mean it, it makes sense that our two selections for players of the year are the number one players <laughs> at the end of the year yeah and um yeah it just uh, it it makes for a very intriguing 2022 season which you and i think is going to start eons from now but in fact it really genuinely starts in two motherfucking weeks <laughs> <laughs> two weeks i cannot believe it i mean we missed the davis cup davis cup i think is a bit of an issue i don't know i didn't know where to find it i couldn't watch any of it didn't watch it don't know about the new format <laughs> so it wasn't carried on tv here i didn't know yeah. how to watch it yeah no one cared yeah so we missed that but yeah, 2022 is about to begin, and it begins, like, on New Year's Day in Australia. Yeah, so, you know, take your beauty rest, and, you know, think about all of those sugar plum dreams as you celebrate your holiday, whether it's Christmas or another holiday of the 2021 season, but we're going to be back, and we're going to be covering 2022 with vigor, excitement, and... A pinch of salt? <laughs> and shade <laughs> and shade of yeah. course what a great season uh honorable mention to Dan- daniel medvedev who <laughs> oh my god <laughs> finally came through and uh showed that uh one of the top one of the big three could be beaten in a grand slam final and he was the first to do it so agreed your husband yeah. your 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 man yeah I'm i got curi- a few mo- i got a few moments of his time at the national bank open yeah, I want to know, I mean, uh, as a spectator and co-host of this podcast, that's a storyline that I'm intrigued to follow for 2022. What is going to be the evolution of your re- relationship with Daniil? All I have to say to Daniil right here and right now <laughs> as we wrap up season two, don't dash up my dreams. Don't dash up my dreams. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> Hopefully everybody else did. <laughs> okay, we have we'll see you in like two weeks. <laughs> You'll be sun kissed. And we'll talk about the yeah. ATP Cup. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for listening this season. Yeah, and get that merch. <laughs> exactly. Okay, bye. Happy holidays. Oh. Bye. We're here for your tennis-tainment, or your tentertainment, or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review. And like, share, and subscribe, and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.